think. Act and prosper. You are now tuned into the Money Level Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Money Level Show where we think, act, and prosper. And today I got a special guest with me. So the context of me and this guest, his name is Casey Jackson. Um, we we meet in the in the realm of doing work within the social industry, which within social work and um, court work and things like that. But some of the stuff that we are doing uh, together and the things that he has trained me on is actually applicable to finance and investing. And we're going to get into that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about motivational interviewing. And so. Casey Jackson is the executive director of the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change. He's also a member of the International Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. And so these are some big topics, you know, some big words and stuff that some of you may not really know about, but you're going to really enjoy this. And I want to encourage you all to, to tap in with us today. So, uh, Casey, how are you doing? Doing quite good, thank you. That's good. That's good to hear. Uh, we, we had a good uh, conversation uh, recently in the, in the training we did together uh, that you were helping train us on. And, and um, I, I think that you being on here is very important to my audience uh, because we can give a lot of information, but you still have the follow through and the action piece of it. That, that makes full sense. I'm, I'm actually excited you brought here. It was fun, actually, Daryl, to watch you connect the dots between, you know, the work that I do in communication and behavior change with you know, the direct correlation between the work you do with, with finance and investment and, and long-term planning. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I, if I really like get MI down, I'm telling you, like, cause I do real estate on the side. I, you know, if I wanted to get into like, uh, being a fiduciary or whatever, I'm telling you, I would kill the game, but you know, it, and it's not about like being manipulative and things like that, because that's been a, a topic of MI for a while. It's like, Oh, is it manipulative? But it's really, um, a lot of what you said is uh, how do you um, help someone see that if is their actions is their actions matching their their goals? And so uh, you want to go up to a little bit about about what you do and kind of some of the uh, core uh, principles of MI. Sure. Yeah. So you know my background's in mental health and addiction, and and like you, I just if you keep your eyes open and your ears open, your career just kind of evolves in directions you may not predict. And for me, I ended up training on this because I became obsessed with this method of communication and working with people that, you know, formerly incarcerated, you know, people using substances, people with mental health issues, people with family issues. And I ran across this method of communication that just, it literally changed my world it, personally and professionally. And so what this method is really around, what I love about it is there, like you said, there's nothing manipulative about it. Human beings cross-culturally genuinely want their behavior to line up and support their deeper values and goals. And then we get distracted every single day, especially in our mainstream American culture. We are, our faces are pulled away from our values and goals every day. We're shoved into what the media or social media, um, everybody's bias, what they want us to pay attention to. And at the end of the day, we're not sure if we're fulfilled or we're depressed, you know, by the end of all that. And this method of communication specifically is how do we help individuals get really clear what their values and their goals are, and then start to facilitate or foster a path for them to get their behavior to start to line up with those, with those behaviors uh, or their, their values and their goals. So that's just kind of a 
how we open our mouth, people tend not to pay attention to this, but how we open our mouth and what comes out of it has a distinct impact on how people think. And there's things we can do that generate a lot of resistance and pushback and arguments. Uh, and there's things we can, we can choose to communicate in a way that people actually open up, become less defensive, less guarded and start to open up and, and really explore, am I doing what I need to do to get to where I want to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, so to kind of set this uh, conversation up, uh, I think we should go through the stages of change uh, just so that the audience can kind of get a visual of um, what we're talking about. These, these are the stages that we need to go through. And then, um, and then once you get there, you know, that's when a lot of the information that we're providing and that uh, we're educating people on, those are the things, the results that people want to get. And so uh, let's go ahead and pull that, pull that up. Stages of change. What I like about it, it's not motivational. Like it's not, you know, the core of what I train, but stages of change is just an exceptionally good thing because it's just common sense. It doesn't take a rocket scientist for people to be able to look at this and just go, is my behavior where it needs to be? So with stages of change, what's great about this is every human being goes through these stages, whether we know it or not. And these are just some words put to something that's actually fairly straightforward when you look at it. So pre-contemplation just means people aren't aware of it yet. You're just, you're just unaware. So you can look at that from a, from a financial planning. You can look at that from a, a cholesterol or a heart disease perspective. You can look at it from a mental health perspective. Um, or from an addiction perspective, you're just unaware that you have a problem, or maybe you've thought about it, but you don't like thinking about it. So you just shove it to the back of your head. So when you're talking financial planning, it's the same thing. It's, you know, there's days people think about it. There are days they're like, you know, I want to retire early. I want to get out of here. And there's days you just push it out the back of your brain. You think I just don't have the time or the energy, or actually I don't have the financial flow right now to be able to, to be thinking long-term as much. That can be part of pre-contemplation. Contemplation is just the debate. You know, I've got reasons why I want to change and reasons why I'm stuck. We literally contemplate it, both sides of it. If we get tired of contemplating it, we just push it to the back of our brain. We don't like thinking about it. And then when we want to move forward, when we get tired of thinking about it, the, the whole point of motivational interviewing of this method is that it works from the basic assumption that people don't like to feel torn inside. And so when you feel that contemplation where you feel torn, there's only one of two ways to break that. You either just push it to the back of your brain so you stop thinking about it, or you do something about it. So you either start to get your ducks in a row and start thinking, how am I going to move forward with this? And when you start to do exactly what you need to do beyond preparing for it, when you're actually embodying the behavior you want, then you're in the action stage. Then you want to choose, do you want to maintain that where it becomes second nature, or are you going to backslide or relapse through the process? So when you look at this, this is just, this is the process that human beings go through in a change process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I saw in there where you you have uh you get to the action uh, piece of it, the preparation, the action, and then your the maintenance of that. And so, but the first is to get to the commitment uh, to do so, and then uh, you get into the preparation and the action phase, and and so on and so forth. And then you have the relapse phase where it's like, oh, like you know, I think about when I first started with uh, Dave Ramsey and doing Financial Peace University. Uh, I was, uh, I was very, I was in it, you know, I was like on the beans and rice. We're not, we're not, you know, spending money eating out, you know, seeing progress, but I felt like I didn't do, take do much self care. And then I ended up relapsing hard, you know, to just like not following it at all. So, um, that's uh, very important. And so we're going to go ahead and get into a few different things. Uh, so, uh, mostly about, 
um, Americans in retirement. And so we, we have this concept of the American dream that's been fed to all of us for a long time, whether that's a dream of being a homeowner, a dream of like retiring, you, you know, you benefit from the fruit of your labor. Uh, you don't you don't have to you know work anymore, things like that. But in reality, there's been a lot of um, a lot of uh, statistics coming out about uh, one of them being 64% of Americans aren't ready for retirement. Um, uh, they have the average of about 10,000 to 100,000 in retirement, uh, but uh, need about a 1.4 million to comfortably retire because you have people that are outliving retirement and things like that. Um, and then some of the other like things that are really um, hitting home for me especially is that by 2030, all baby boomers will be 65 years or older. This is the biggest generation. Uh, and then the average amount of retirement for baby boomers is 152,000. And, um, and from ages 65 to 74, there's a statistics that says the average is uh, that they spend is about 48,000 a year. Uh, you get into a whole bunch of other stuff like uh, it was the research by the Insured Retirement uh, Institute uh, says that about 45% of baby boomers have no retirement savings. And then uh, out of the 55% that does, 28% uh, has less than 100,000. You get into Social Security, uh, only 1,000 and 1,500 per month on average. And, and this isn't enough to sustain that. So. I just foresee a lot of weight falling on Gen X and uh, and the millennials. Um, and so this is a big conversation to have. Uh, so uh, whenever you're working with people, how would you motivate someone who who is who doesn't think about uh, either? I mean, they could be in a pre-contemplative phase where they don't think about retirement at all, uh, which we highlight some of these issues so that they can hopefully begin to think about it. Um, but what about the people that are like in a contemplative phase? Like, how would you use MI in that situation to kind of think about some of these things? You know, I'll tell you, Daryl, one of the things that just when you were just, you know, rattling off the, the data around that, the, the thing that, that hit me, even in my own retirement process, is, you know, I, I was just a scrub, you know, in a lower middle class neighborhood. I, I didn't. I didn't think necessarily retirement because my family didn't think retirement because they were just blue collar working, you know, hand to mouth. So when you say a number like 1.4 million, like you, that just sounds like a millionaire, you know, and, and when you're making, you know, if you're lucky back, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 a year, like it's like, I don't have money. Like if we're living paycheck to paycheck. How the heck are we going to do that? So I think there's a desire there, obviously, but when you threw those numbers out there, I'm like, that just sounds, it doesn't sound attainable with basically like if I had a million bucks, what would I do? I mean, those are the dreams we just talked about as kids. Now you're saying I need 1.4 just for a, for a comfortable, legitimate retirement. If I'm going to have any form of longevity at all, it, what it comes down to with behavior change, the dots I'd connect with motivational interviewing or just thinking about my behavior in line with my values is a people, especially in our mainstream culture are, are more used to immediate gratification. That's what we're getting trained more and more and more to do generations before us were very much more about delayed gratification. Our generations are very much more about immediate gratification. So I think that whole thought about $1.4 million and what financially, what does that mean for me? How do I even attain that? I think that's just hard for people to get their brain around, which is why they'll just shove it back into pre-contemplation. You know, I'll deal with it when I get closer to retirement, which is a really poor strategy. 
And so yeah, yeah. It, what you start to think about is how we break down larger goals. This is one of, the, one of the activities, you were in the intro training, but in the advanced training, what we get into is building a plan, which is partially what you're talking about, how to get people in the action stage. The plan is actually not what changes behavior. I just, this morning I was in a training um, with a group and we kept reinforcing, we spend so much time talking about the plan that plan is not necessarily what changes long-term behavior. What changes long-term behavior is what their motive is. And, and motive is what changes behavior. Plan is how you get to what your ultimate motive is. So if I want financial security for the long run, that's what I have the conversation with myself about or my spouse about or my friends about is what would long-term security, like if you wanted to retire at 59 and a half and have zero financial burden, what would that feel like? That's almost a mind-blowing thought for people. Like, well, I, I won't be able to do it because of COBRA and insurance and all that. Like, I just, I can't imagine it. What, what would you feel like if you could? Well, that'd be awesome. Well, well tell me more about that. What would be awesome about that? Like, literally think about this. You wake up in the morning, you don't have to go to work, and you have no financial stress just kind of hovering on you. That financial stress you've had for most of your life. Just think if you didn't have that when you woke up at 59 and a half or 65 or whatever it is for you. And what you need is you need to build that internal inertia, that momentum, that gravitation towards, God damn, I want that. Like, I would love to have that in my life. And the more you build that desire, the more you build that motive, the more that people's brains want to start to figure out a plan to get there. As soon as you start to tell them what the plan is to get there, they start to give you excuses if their brain isn't built up with momentum first. So if you say, I can help you with this, but this is how you're going to have to plan for your kids' college. This is how much money you're going to put away. This is how you're going to have to tighten your belt now for a longer-term payoff. They're like, you know, Daryl, that makes sense, but honestly, that's just not going to work for me right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a pushback. You're going to get excuses because the motive isn't strong enough. When people can get to that place where they can feel this genuine sense of complete financial freedom and feel like that burden is off their shoulders that so many people just carry for the majority of their adult life, then we want part of that. Like, I, I want to know how to get that. Yeah. yeah. So it's that, that motive piece of it that starts to build it. And then you start to develop a plan from there. But most people go with trying to use, get people into the action plan and then the plans won't sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's the internal motivation that's that's really going to drive people to, to uh, implement the plan and act on the plan. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's very important because a lot of times, um, you know, for example, um, you know, like just kind of like how I talked about, you know, the weight of um, our uh, baby of a lot of baby boomers is going to fall on uh, generational uh, gener- generation X and millennials uh, to take care of, you know, parents um, and things like that, because so many don't have um, enough saved up for retirement. And especially if they live to, you know, 85, 90 years old. You know, Social Security isn't paying out that much. I mean, you're not getting interest rates on that. I mean, interest rates are super low. Um, you got inflation happening. So the purchasing power is they're losing a lot of the purchasing power. Uh, so th- these are some of the big things. And and, um, and that's kind of like what I'm working with, um, you know, my, my parents. So my mother doesn't have uh, retirement. My dad doesn't have retirement. My mother-in-law doesn't have retirement. And so for me, like how I'm looking at it, uh, what's motivating for me is like, okay, we need to figure out a plan now, you know, like, and, and I'm thinking of this because I know this is going to come down the line 
and um, and I just want to be prepared and, and have my family uh, be more prepared. And so, um, so how, how have you seen like um, uh, time affect people's goals? So like we, we do have, uh, when we're talking about retirement, you have all different range of ages, right? Different generations. So for me, I'm 33. So I have a little more time to really plan this out and, and kind of get that going, even though uh, my parents that don't have retirement, I have to, you know, kind of make room like, okay, what if they need to move in with me or things like that. But you do have like, you know, um, the older generation, like my parents, the baby boomers who, um, who don't have retirement, but they don't realize like, you know, do you know your kids are probably going to have to take care of you and that could create all types of burdens. Like, do you want your kids to be uh, financially free? Uh, to where they're not having to take care of you, you know, or or are you fine with uh, pushing that burden onto your, onto your kids? Well, the, one of the things I'm going to take it out of context because I think it'll be really helpful for your for the people that track you to to make sense of what we're talking about. Think about it this way, because what you were talking about is if we're talking about maybe a health issue, maybe you're talking to your physician and he says, you know you know, Daryl, you could be inherited some heart disease and some diabetes just based on your parents' history. And you've been thinking about this. So you think about, you know what, I, I keep trying to diet and exercise and eat healthier on my own, but it's just not working. So I'm going to get a personal trainer. Right. And you've been, let's say you've been thinking about, you've been talking to your doctor, this has been going on for a year and you've been thinking about it. You've been toying around with it. You've been trying to do kind of stops and starts your own kind of exercise plan or eating healthy plan. And finally, you heard about me and you're like, you know what? I heard Casey's a great nutritionist. He's a great exercise specialist. You know, I'm going to give him a call. So you call me and we're going to go the non-MI route, the non-motivationaling route first. So you call me and you and I set up an appointment. You come in and talk to me and say, Casey, I'm worried about my health. You know, I need to get fit. I need to watch my cardio. I've got some heart disease I'm worried about. And I'm like, oh my God, Daryl, you came to the right place. Tomorrow, 6 a.m., I got a CrossFit class starting. And by the end of the week, you and I are going to come up with a plan that you're going to be meat free by Friday. So for the rest of your life, you're going to be meat free. Right. And I can already see the look on your face. Like, well, that's not happening. Um, so, so it doesn't matter. And I can literally lay out the data and show you the facts and you can, and I can, and you're going, well, I don't know if I'm going to be meat free. Um, I'm like, didn't you just tell me you want to get healthy? Didn't you tell me you're worried about heart disease and diabetes? Well, here's all the research about how that is killing you. So you need to be meat free by the end of the week if you're serious about this and you're going to start your CrossFit class at six in the morning tomorrow. I'm not lying to you, but there's a very low likelihood you're going to follow through on that plan. So just because I'm smart and know how to help you navigate that issue doesn't mean I'm communicating in a way that engages you in a change process, even though, and then what I can do is then I can stigmatize you because you come in and I, you walk in like, why do people like this waste my time? He literally came in and asked me, and said, I want to get healthy. I want to be financially secure. You know, I want to plan for my future. I literally tell him, I give him a roadmap. I take my time, give him a roadmap. And he too chooses to wad it up and throw in the garbage can. I get tired of this. When it doesn't matter how smart I am, if your brain is not engaged in the process. So an MI approach or motivational approach to it is when you come in and say these things, then what I'm going to say is what would being healthy mean like to you? What have you already tried? And, and why is this, why is being healthy right now so important to you? Well, I'm watching my parents age and I see some of the problems they have getting around. I can, I literally can see the struggles they have because of the heart disease and because of diabetes. So then I'm going to reflect those things back to you. So you get clear. It's like, so your health is super important to you, Daryl. 
And you want to find ways to make sure you're on top of that so you don't run down those same paths that they went down. You, you have to build up that momentum and that motive and that desire. You have to hear your own self talk about why those things are important to you. You've got to get it out of your head and start to get some oxygen to it so those beliefs become more real for you. And once you're like, I do want to be fit, I do want to be healthy. And then I, then I can just say to you, how, like, what do you, what do you think you're willing to do? Because we either can go on the super healthy plane where I definitely, we can reverse the effects you already probably have inside of you, or we can take a more modest approach to it, or you can take a really safe approach to it. I mean, what, what fits most for your style? Does that make sense? And what it's always going to come down to for you, Daryl, is how healthy do you really want to be? Because once you get clear about how healthy you really want to be, then I can help, you know, help you leverage that to get there. Yeah, so that's that's very important, um, especially um, for me, myself, you know, thinking about, you know, how I communicate with my parents uh, about this issue of retirement. Um, you know, because like, you know, when I'm thinking of like things at time, it's like, hey, you need to do this now. You got to be strict on it because you waited so long to do it. But really, there's multiple ways up the mountain. And um, I learned that from uh, Rick Rule. And he was talking, we were talking about investing and, and how you can get there. How can you get to your, your uh, destination? And so um, that's very important because, you know, when I, when I think about my parents, like, you know, it's ultimately out of care and stuff. But, you know, um, when you're doing this internal motivational work and motivational interviewing, uh, the person has to has to come to that conclusion themselves. They have to come to that motivation themselves for them to act on it. Uh, so that, that's what you're trying to leverage is where you see that motive. How do we expand for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do, do you see like uh, uh, in cases where uh, where time is an issue? So say like, you know, like, for example, with either um, addiction or poor eating habits and stuff and and a person that gets to the point to where they they're diabetic now or or they're um, they have hypertension and sometimes i think that you, f you start to feel like okay it's a time crunch like and you got to drill sergeant them into you know uh into um, doing what's right or for them or whatnot uh so how do, how do you see that uh playing out like as far as like mi and this whole time aspect because like you know, my parents, like they're in their 60s now. So it's like, okay, well, um, really compound interest, you're supposed to start investing a long time ago so that you can, you know, get ahead of the curve. But uh, now we just got to kind of figure out the best way we can. So there, there's two things I'm going to unpack from that, Daryl. The first thing I'll say is that, I mean, this partly what you learned in the training as well, too, is that if, if anything starts to feel like directive or drill sergeant, it will, it's just math it will generate resistance. It will generate pushback and yeah, you don't understand or I hear what you're saying, but you don't, you don't get it. it it's, just math, it's just basic math. It will generate those responses. If we take the same example that we're talking about the health one, but we'll, but we'll turn it around into that you're planning on getting married in October. Um, and you're like, you know what? My tux isn't fitting. I'm not, this is not my fighting weight. This is not where I want to be. It, it's the same equivalency to what you're talking about is First of all, I'm going to empower you because you get to choose. You get to choose if you get into that, into the tux you want to be in or not on your wedding day. That that's on you. I can help you get into that tux if you want to, but that means you're going to have to follow some of the things that I say. But I'm not going to I'm not going to say I am not going to own your outcomes because that's where crazy making starts. What I want to make sure is 
I'm going to continue to build, like you were talking about top of the mountain, I'm going to continue to build your motive that you came to me with and, and focus on what would you feel like if you're walking down the aisle and you're beyond your fighting weight, that you look so sharp, you feel the best you've ever been. And that's, that is the human being you're going up there to marry the love of your life. How would you feel if that's, if that's a picture that you had of yourself and that's a picture that everybody else had of you? If you're in the top physical performance that you wanted to be at, so you'd be looking as sharp as you could on your wedding day. I want you to think about what and feel what that would feel like, because again, that's where motive comes from, is what would life be like if? If I say, now here's what you have to do. Now you are going to be meat free and I'm going to monitor you to make sure you're going to be meat free. I can already tell that that triggers you every time I say that, Daryl. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then if I, and if I say, and then here's the exercise routine, you're going to have to stick to this. As soon as I tell you to do that, literally your brain starts to push back, even if I'm right. So this is what you sidestep or you circumvent in motivational interviewing is you build motive up. And then it's like, but ultimately, Daryl, you get to choose if you stick to the plan. I can lay out a plan for you. You and I can co-create a plan because there's maybe a couple things we have options on on how you approach this. But ultimately, you need to decide what do you want to look like on your wedding day in October? Because October is going to come. And the only thing you have choice over is what do you want to do between now and then? That is the only thing you have control over. So how do you want to manage that between now and then? And, and the more you feel pressure from me, the more it's going to generate excuses in your own brain, even though, again, you came to me asking for a solution. So what you need is you need to build that motive up. And when that motive is there, that's what I need to hold at the forefront of your thinking when things get rough. When you see, you know, a plate of barbecued meat there and you're just like, nah, I don't know if I really care that much about the, the tux that much, you know, that's the reality. And that's what people think about their financial situations. You know, well, we'll just go on this vacation this year and then next year we'll start. Or, you know what, we'll just spend a little bit. I mean, it's the same excuses people make because they'll, they, they keep pushing off the long-term benefit for the short-term game because that's what our mainstream culture really pushes us towards right now. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very powerful. And, and just even thinking about, uh, you know, just how universal MI is. Um, I was just thinking about marriage and I, I got a few uh, uh, friends of mine, you know, that have concerns about uh, husbands still smoking at a long, t uh, you know, after a long time. And, and, you know, whenever you do come in with that drill sergeant approach, like it does create a lot of resistance. I think even for myself, uh, you know, I'm very like, you don't tell me what to do, you know, uh, and, and even if it's at my own self-destruction or demise, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's like human nature for sure. It's human nature. And that's what I love teaching it from instead of all these theories and philosophies and all that. It's just like, this is just based on human dynamics and human nature, which means you need to listen up to find out what is the core driver for this individual? What, what do they genuinely care about? And what would long-term saving mean? What would financial, having less financial burden in the long run mean? And what are we willing to do on a day-to-day -day basis? Let, the example I've been using lately that a lot of people relate to, especially from our generation, is Shawshank Redemption. And what I think of is you have to have a picture. I think of even on the financial planning side of it, you have to have a picture of what Zaywat Nail looks like in your brain and what that would mean to you, or else you're not going to climb through 200 yards of human waste and rats to get there. Like you're just not going to do it unless you have a clear, like come hell or high water, I'm going to make it there. They can kill me. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get busy living or get busy dying, but I'm going to die trying. 
it, it's that you have to have that level of motive. You have to have that level of, of focus and motive if you plan on getting to Zaywat Mayo. If you plan to be financially free when you retire, um, if you focus on the 1.4 million, then people start to freak out. But if you, just, if you focus on, if you figure, okay, I've got to dig, dig this much of a tunnel with a tablespoon, that's what I have to do. Like people aren't going to do that. They're just not going to do it. Yeah, definitely. But as soon as you keep, if every day that you're digging with a tablespoon and just thinking about Zaywat Mayo, and all of a sudden you hit a pipe and you're like, oh, damn, I finally made it. And then you look at your watch and you go, I've been doing this for two years. You know, it's like, wow, that, if somebody said you're going to have to dig for two years with a tablespoon to get to the pipe, that's not a motive for people. Yeah, definitely. How, how does this relate to like, uh, yeah, yeah. How, how does this relate to uh, like, for example, crisis, for example, um, you know, for me, I used to be um, very into like, you know, budgeting, you know, having an emergency fund, all of that. I got off of that track uh, for a while. And then when the pandemic hit last year, I looked at my bank account. I was like, oh, I got zero savings, no emergency fund. Um, you know, I'm at the mercy of my job. If, if, you know, if we start laying people off, then I'm screwed. And that really just kicked me in the gear to really just like, oh, now I'm about to start going, you know, really getting on it. So how, how, how much do you think uh, crisis plays into uh, the motivation of people uh, to um, the things that they may have been putting off for a long time, you know, uh, for them to actually get engaged in that? I'll tell you, there's a couple things you pick up and you're somebody that really likes research and the science side of things as well too. And data, I just look at this from a, a, a brain science perspective. And the easiest way to look at that is, you know, the caveman, the reptile part of our brain is designed for fight, flight, or freeze. So under a COVID or pandemic or stress or potential for layoff or, or relationship problems or family problems or financial problems, our brains are hardwired to go towards survival mode. That's the core brainstem part of our brain. Our thinking rational part of our brain is our cortex, prefrontal cortex, which was developed way after our caveman survival brain. So when things start going south, we go into survival mode. So you're not thinking long-term planning and, and sitting on the beach in the Bahamas with 1.4. You're just thinking about, you know, damn, I can barely get through the day to get a paycheck right now. Like, but this is where people start to gravitate towards taking the stimulus money and going on unemployment and getting out of the workforce because it just seems like, well, that's a no-lose situation. It's, and, it, and it appeases the part of the brain that's fight, flight, and freeze because all of a sudden it's not in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Like, I don't even want to have to think about going to work if somebody's going to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem yeah. is that that's just a survival mode. That's not a thriving mode. That, and, and the fundamental reality is this too shall come to an end. This too shall pass. So are you prepared for that or not prepared for that? And are you going to be caught on your heels? Are you going to be on your toes? That, that's, just, that's just brain science. Um, anything that can leave us from here and what you're talking about is once you saw that and had that startle response, your brain is thinking either, do I want to stay in hand-to-mouth survival mode with zero savings and no emergency funds and no long-term retirement plan? Or do you want to start kicking into where your smart brain is in the prefrontal cortex and go, I, I can do this. This is just math. It's just discipline and math. And what, and that's all, that is all in your cortex. That is not in your primal brain when you're under stress. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a, that's a perfect segue to like our next section about um, the unemployment. Um, so 
I've been working with you know I've been working with kids for a while and and this is I've been telling kids this is like the the easiest time to get a job. I got kids, you know, 13, 14, no, actually not 13, uh, 15 years old getting in three jobs. I was like, when I, when I was a kid, it was hard for me to get a job. Uh, and this was like in 2005, you know, that range. And so, um, and I've had times where I've had trouble getting kids jobs, helping kids get jobs. And uh, now it's like the perfect opportunity. Uh, but what, what I've been seeing as, as I engage with employers and stuff is like there's times where they have to shut down because they don't have enough people uh, they have to close and reduce their hours and and things like that um, and most of the a lot of the employers that I've been seeing have a lot of kids that are under 18 that are employed and so this is a big issue as as we see like unemployment benefits are gonna end eventually uh, it's looking like in September um, but how, how does benefit, how does MI benefit someone? So say someone has to go back to a job and, oh, I hate being a dishwasher. I hate, you know, uh, people hitting on me as a bartender or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, and how does MI work with that? And people that are considering a career change or, or even just getting out of that uh, survival mentality instead of going from survival to survival, you know, type of situation, um, you know, how does MI can benefit? How does MI benefit someone in that? You know, since you, you left me with the screen share on my side, I'm going to jump to one other slide. And, you know, we barely touched on this in your training. This goes into the whole um, mountain that you're talking about with uh, somebody that you kind of look at in the financial field. Um, this is my motivational version of it uh, that I developed years, about 15 years ago. So the other thing that I would look at when you're talking about this with the unemployment side, it, it fits for the unemployment side and it fits with the, the financial planning side of it as well too, is this construct right here is once you get clear, you need to start getting focused. Everybody wants to deal with the what they need to do or how they need to do it or which job. Literally right now, Daryl, you could throw 50 different jobs down there. Those are just trees at the bottom of the mountain. And where we live, I always think of Mount Rainier, you know, you and I are in Washington state. So you think of Mount Rainier. And when you look at the top of the mountain, that's what you're looking at. It's not about a dishwasher. It's not about the bartender. Those are, those are trees at the bottom of the mountain. What your brain needs to do to get focused is what do you want to feel like when you wake up in the morning and what you're doing from your nine to five, you know, or whatever your, what your job is going to be, what do you want to have a sense of by the end of it? If you want financial security, then does it matter if you're, if you're waiting tables? If it's a sense of fulfillment, then does it matter if you're making working wage, you know, if you just have minimum wage, but you love what you're doing? Like the more clear you get, nobody can dictate to you what your values are around this. What you need to do is get really clear about what your ultimate values are. Because if you want financial security, if you really, really want financial security, you may be working two or three jobs if you really want financial security. Or if you want fulfillment and financial security, you need to start getting clear about what does that mean to you in the employment situation? What would be fulfilling for you and what could provide you financial security? And if you don't have the knowledge or the skills, are you willing to acquire what you need to to get the kind of job where you feel fulfilled and financially stable if you're not there yet? If that's what you want, then you drop down into the trees and think, okay, what do I need to do? What education do I need uh, for to get the employment that I want so I can get to the top of my mountain? So once people get crystal clear, what do they value? What's most important to them? 
then you go down to the bottom of the mountain you go okay what do i need to get aligned up what ducks do i need to get in a row what path do i need to start to walk along so i start ending up where i ultimately want to end up and that's what you think of from a moving from okay i want to do this instead of jumping to plan like i was saying earlier you can't jump to plan in this particular method you've got to get the brain focused on the on what's my ultimate value and goal and then you start going into a plan about how do i go about getting that yeah that's, that's amazing that's amazing I love how you break that stuff down. Um, so, uh, just so for the average person that that's viewing this, um, what are some like strategies they can use with like their friends and family? I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about a little bit more about uh, you know what what services you all offer. Um, you have membership service or whatnot, uh, but what, what what are some of the basic things they they can probably do with uh, with uh, family and friends who? Um, you know, they've been trying to help get focused and motivated uh, about their financial future. So the hardest thing to hold the reins on is wanting to fix. That, that is probably, that it's the thing I'll say is the hardest thing to, to stop doing is trying to fix other people's stuff. It, it's, it usually doesn't work and it usually generates some level of tension, either outward or inward tension that starts to get created as soon as you try to fix somebody else's stuff. So the hardest thing to do in an attempt to be helpful is to try to not, not fix the things that you want to fix the hardest thing, but that's one of the, the things you work on. And, and what starts to get people to a place where they can get focused is if you can listen, genuinely listen to what somebody's talking about without jumping in and wanting to interrupt or fix it or say, yeah, but, or you're not getting it. Because again, those, those actions in communication will generate a negative response. As soon as you say, here's the problem, this is what you need to do to fix it. It is, even if it comes from a heart of wanting to help, it will generate a defensive response. So you seek first to understand, which we hear all the time, which is high empathy. And then as you listen to what people are talking about, you start to listen past your own brain, past your own solutions, past their solutions. And you start listening for what does this person ultimately want? What do they ultimately want at the top of their mouth? Is it financial security? Is it freedom? Is it stability? Or is it more of a sense of connection? Or do they like the freedom to be able to spend what they want when they want? Like, what does the top of the mountain look like and feel like for this individual? And that's how you train your brain to start to listen differently instead of always wanting to jump in to fix the problem as soon as you hear what the problem is. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you mentioned very, I was thinking earlier, I forgot to uh, kind of piggyback off that um, and not create judgments about uh, people's character because like, I can easily say like, oh, well, if you don't want to listen to what I say, you, you'll be broke forever. You know, uh, or you're not serious about this, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so, like, we can easily make those judgments, but really when our, uh, when our approach isn't effective uh, with uh, helping human behavior change. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I'll reinforce, Daryl, again, is that most of the time when we jump in to try to fix things, it does, it genuinely does come from a heart of wanting to help people. It does come from a place of wanting to help. It just, the way that we trip over our own language and our own, attachment to other people's outcomes, the more attached we get to their outcomes, the more we tend to want to push, the more we tend to want to pull people. And when you start to push or pull people, they tend to want to push you back. And it just, that's math. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and, and a lot of times, like for me, like, you know, I'm attached to like my parents' outcomes because it's like, okay, this ultimately going to affect me. So now I have to make sure that I'm motivated uh, to be able to, uh, cause I care about them so much and it's like, okay, well, you know, 
do I want to be in a position where they can move in with me or or do I or do I want to, you know, let them go into assisted living or whatever, you know, so I, I kind of just that's kind of some of the things that that I've been thinking about. Um, but, you know, it's like, OK, if you're attached to someone else's outcomes, if you're going to be uh, affected by that, then you should be thinking, you know, what what do you need to do to get into that into the best place possible? So exactly because that's the only thing you have control of. that's a perfect example of showing what the only thing you really have control over is where you put yourself financially Bill. i mean that's that's it for as much as you want to help them get in the best position and leverage where they're at the only thing you have control over is what you do that's the only thing you truly have control over exactly exactly so how can people learn more about the work you do um i'm gonna leave a a, your, a link to your website in the in the description i'm also gonna put it on the screen uh, but how can they learn more about this and what what's uh, a little more about the services you all offer well motivation means it's an international evidence-based practice so there's just a lot of science and research around this method of communication there's tons of people that talk on it and train on it it's just my obsession. That's what my whole career is based on. It's helping people now literally learn this method of communication for their personal life, their professional life. So, um, you know, ours, I started the Institute that you mentioned at the beginning, the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change. Every single thing that we do, every training I provide, every resource that I develop for the website is always based on what people ask me for. I don't, I don't have a need to push anything or try to get people to do anything. It literally is always based off people emailing or calling or, you know, reaching out and finding out ways, you know, can you teach me more about this? Can I learn more about this? How do I become a master skilled at this method of communication? And that's every resource I built on our website is 100%, 100% based on what people have requested. So it just, it, mine's always been, I'm a social worker and my, I've always had a heart of wanting to help other people, you know, be whatever position they want to be in. And so, and that same thing, you and I were just talking about, I make my living off of helping other people be the best version of themselves and giving them the skills to communicate. And that's, that's the biggest thing I think with this is, you know, I've, I've used this to teach parents to parent in a way that aligns with their values, uh, relationships with people and couples to be communicating the way that they feel that they're living their values through their relationship you know, and, and mostly I primarily train other, you know, professionals in behavioral health and healthcare about how do we help people who are seeking services get the best possible outcome. So that's everything I'm immersed in. Um, and then we, that we drill into at IFIOC, you know, at our website. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a way of life, uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of like, uh, for me, uh, uh like I have, uh, my wife and I had a few friends, they, they, uh, you know, they know when I turn on the, the motivational interview and switch, yeah, they, they know that it's like, yeah, I know you're doing that stuff, but it worked. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> working. Yeah. So exactly it. I, I need to make it just more of a, a, a natural way to communicate, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's, that's what, I mean, you nailed such critical concepts today already. I mean, just when you talk about it's not manipulative because it's, there's not one thing manipulative about MI, it is highly, highly strategic but it's, there's nothing manipulative about it. You're just helping be who they want to be, not who you want them to be. Um, and, and like you said, it's moving past the technique side of it until it just is a way of being with people, uh, a way of listening, a way of responding, a, a method of communication that is just truly, you know, I've been in the field for 33 years and I have never in 33 years uh, in, in behavioral health found anything more effective as far as communication goes. I just haven't, not even anything close to this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, Casey, I appreciate you for coming on. We we may have to do this again sometime, and 
and uh, I, I think this is going to be very beneficial for the viewers and and um, and us being able to help others and and uh, communicate in an effective way to to um, help others be motivated for change. Excellent. Well, thank you for inviting me on, and thanks for the work you do, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, thank you.